Are you a sneakerhead? A baller? Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. It's Kicks and Bricks, where we got game on the streets and on the court. Here's your host, Jamel Cutler. Welcome to Kicks and Bricks. Today we have somebody from the crib, New York City basketball legend, God Sham God. What's good, Sham? How you doing, man? How's everything? All right, so a lot is going on in the basketball community right now. But like before we get into that, I want to talk about like your own basketball journey. And like a lot of people don't know this, but like Mace was the first person that introduced you to the game. Can you like expound on that a little bit more? Uh, um, everybody know, like I was born in Brooklyn and then, um, I moved to Harlem when I was like, uh, 10, 11 years old. And, uh, I went to a school called PS 92. And then when I went to the school PS 92, uh, it was a couple of players that was good in basketball and Mace was one of them. And at that point I had never played basketball because my uh, father used to train boxers. So I used to always box and wrestle. And then when I got to New York, I mean, when I got to Harlem, uh, everybody's playing basketball, you know, hustling in the street or playing basketball. That was like the big thing in, in those times. And uh, me and Mace became uh, good friends. He was in a, a grade ahead of me. Um, and he took me to uh, Rucker Park. And that was the first time I seen a basketball game. And to me, that was like watching superheroes because it was like so many women, so many people. They was getting so many love. It was like rappers. It was like cars, Mercedes Benz, Range Rovers, like all type of stuff I've never seen in my life, especially at that young age. And just being around Mace, um, like I said, he was real good in basketball. He was playing with Young Life and different people. And he just took me along with him. And then that's when I kind of found the love of basketball. What type of player was he? Uh, Mace was a good player. He was a good player. I mean, he was uh, he was known in the streets for basketball. Uh, he played at a high level. He went to Manhattan Center. You know, at the PS92, he was, like, one of the best players. Like, every team he was on, he was, like, one of the best, one of the best players, like, top three players. So he was way above average player. Um, like, and what type of player was, um, was Cam back then? Uh, Cam was a Cam was actually a, like a great player then. Like, well, when I first started playing basketball in the streets in AAU, that's 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 all I heard about was Cam. It was Cameron, a guy named Wally Lynch. They was in the backcourt for Gauchos, and Cam was like on his way to like stardom. Then, like everybody thought he was gonna be, you know, all American, all cities, things like that. Um, so he he was he was the man. He was scoring like twenty five points, thirty points in in AAU and biddies, midgets, and things like that. All right, and like to me, when I look at you, like you and guys like Skip Tamalu, you guys were like ahead of your time, and I always felt like you were like the 
Earl of Pearl Monroe of like the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's God bless, God rest in peace. I mean, I love you know Earl, uh, Earl of Pearl. So, I mean, I, I I like to say, you know, I don't know if I'm if I was ahead of my time. That was that's up for people to debate. But I know things that uh, me and Rafer was doing was way different than what people was doing at the time we was growing up. And even before I played basketball, Rafa, skip to my Lou, Rafa was already nice. He was like real nice in basketball. He was one of those stars in, in, in AU and midgets and biddies that people talked about before they talked about Stephon Marbury and Kareem Reed and all these people. Uh, Rafe is always nice. Like since I started playing basketball, since I know him, he was a, a great basketball player. And then, you know, as as I got older and time went on, um, like I said, my father trained boxing, so I was already a disciplined person. So once I started the love of basketball, it was just like an obsession for me. And that's that's how I caught up quick to everybody of that era. Hey, also, you played with Ron Artest at LaSalle. Like, what was it like playing with him? Yeah, when I, I went when I went to LaSalle Academy, I was you know I was high school American. Uh, Ron Ron was just coming into school, you know, Meta World Peace as we know him right now. Um, he was a, he was an okay player. He was uh, he was very raw at the time. You know, I took him under my wing. He was like my little brother, and he just worked hard every day. Every day he saw how hard I worked, and he worked hard. And he was he was fearless. And he was he was the same player he is now, but he was just he was he was just like a less he was he was more raw then. And then over the years, of course, you know his skill set kicked in. Whatever you know, with with his raw talent and his natural talent, his his fearlessness, and then he became you know the player he became today that people know him as today. What's the craziest Ron story you have from that time? Uh, I remember when um. I remember one time we was uh we was playing against um Vince Carter and um in um in uh in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. And Vince Carter Vince Carter caught a dunk and Ron Ron took the ball and um he went to full court, he didn't want to pass it to nobody so he could dunk back on him and then when he dunked he was saying he was saying, Yeah, you know, everybody know who you are, but you better know who I am. So that was like the craziest thing at that time. And like one of the best games like that I ever saw growing up was like the Golden Hoops Classic in '93, like and I think that was like the golden era of New York City basketball. I think it's on YouTube right now. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was Gauchos versus Riverside. Like he talk about mm -hmm. like how intense that rivalry was and still is today. Uh, back then Gauchos versus Riverside was like Cleveland Cavaliers versus Golden State if people understand, because it was the best players in New York City on one or two teams. If you was on Gauchos or you was on Riverside. And then the people around the country that was good in basketball, you know, either Gauchos flew them into play or Riverside flew them into play. So you got to think, you know, on my team, it was me, uh, Felipe Lopez, Stephon Marbury, Gary Saunders, Charlton Clark, Eric Harris. Uh, on the other team, it was Kareem Reed, uh, Ray for Austin, Melvin McKee, uh, Reg Freeman. It was it was just it was just the best talent in New York. 
just on two different teams. It wasn't that many AAU programs like it is now. Um, so it, it was great rivalries because at the same time, we all was friends, like off the court. So then it was, so on the court, you know, it was way more intense about bragging rights and things like that. Like, and Kareem Reed, like, I don't even think he was six foot, but he was like such a problem on the court. Oh, he got the biggest heart in the world. He got the biggest heart in the world. That's that's the, the most competitive point guard I ever played against in my life, even NBA, college, overseas. You know, we start calling him big game ring because like in every big moment, wasn't no moment too big for him. And, you know, he's he's a living legend. And the same thing goes for, like, Stephon Marbury. Like, I don't think a lot of people give him the respect, the respect that he deserved. Like, he was such a legit prospect at such an early age. Uh, yeah, Stephon Marbury is, is, the best, is, is, is the best point guard to ever come out of New York City. You know, and especially for my era. Um, you know, like, Steph was, Steph was a... a, a a child prodigy from the start. Like if you think about, if you think about uh, Michael Jackson, God bless the dead, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Um, let me see, Mike Tyson. Let me see who else was like that. Uh, Kobe Bryant. You know, uh, Stephon Marbury is, is in that class. You know, since 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 he could walk, he probably was the best the best player in his class. He was the, he was the best fifth grader, best sixth grader. Best ninth grader, you know, at the end when we was graduating high school, he was the best 12th grader in the country. So, you know, that's without question. People people don't understand. They let uh, other stuff affect their opinion of him probably now. But there's no contest about basketball that he's one of the greatest point guards to ever play. You know, I was looking up something the other day. He, he, was, he was the second point guard even in NBA, in NBA history to average 20 and 10 for his career. And the, you know who was the other person? Oscar Robinson. No other point guard. So look at all the point guards that played, like Magic, Steve Nash, and none of them averaged 20 and 10 for their career. And Stephon never won MVP, so that's kind of... Well, no. That's not kind of crazy, but... No, it's not crazy because, <laughs> of the team, because of the teams he was on and yeah. things like that. You know, like I said, it was other things that 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 that, that plays into all that, but... At the end of, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't take away from his ability and what and, and what he brought to the table as a player. And he will always be, I mean, if not to everybody else, to me, he will always be one of the greatest point guards that ever played. Like, and also, you play AAU with, um, with Cole, and I think Rip Hamilton was on that team. Like, what was it like playing with, like, young Cole back then? Uh, for me, Cole, if we didn't play AAU yet. We played ABCD camp together, All-American camp. And... That was an amazing feeling because, you know, at that time, you had an idea what he was trying to become. You probably, you know, we young kids, we probably didn't believe it, but we had an idea what he was trying to do. And, you know, rest in peace is such an honor because me and him, you know, was close friends. Um, when his father asked me to train him to teach him how to dribble, you know, at that point, I just thought it was just you know, teaching somebody how to dribble, you know, not knowing one day he would become one of the greatest players ever lived. And to the point where, you know, 20 years later, you know, just two summers ago, you know, he, uh, you know, he brought me to train his daughter and stuff like that. So 
you know, rest in peace to his family, everybody that was in the um in the accident, you know, shot things like that. Like looking back now, like I think the work that you did with Kobe back then kind of laid the foundation of kind of what you do now with Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, yeah. Of course, I wanted to play in the NBA twenty years and be Hall of Fame, but it seems like you know God has always put me on the path to be a player development or a coach because all my life I've been helping people, whether it's learn how to dribble, whether it's learn how to do moves, one-on-one moves and thing and, and things of that nature, you know? So I, I, I think this has been my path my whole life and I'm just happy to walk in my purpose now. Like, and I think another one of your lasting legacies is the invention of the sham God. Like that move <laughs> is one of the most common moves in the league right now, like Kyrie use it, um, mm-hmm. James Harden, Russ. Like, can you <laughs> tell us the story about how you came up with that move? Uh, I was, I was, I was, um, you know, my whole life I was able to dribble, and there's so many moves I did in my life that people, you know, sometimes people that know me little from when I was young, they always say, "Oh, that wasn't a Shamgar move. Uh, that other move you used to do was the Shamgar move." But, you know, at this certain time, that move in the NCAA tournament, uh, I was trying to do another move, and I messed up, and I just reacted. And then by me reacting came that move, and and I, I used to watch tapes in slow motion, like just so I could learn dribble moves, footwork, things like that. And once I watched that in slow motion, I was like, man, this this move could work. Like, this could work. And then every night I used to go to the gym with Corey Wright, which everybody know that was like my backcourt mate in Providence. And I used to practice against him every day at nighttime until I perfected it. And then after that, you know, I, I went home one summer, right after the NCAA tournament. I just hear the little kids like, man, I'm doing the sham guard. I'm doing the sham guard. I'm doing the sham guard. And then, you know, it just was a humbling experience for me. And then it just took on a life of its own. Yeah, like, and. And how do you feel like something that you kind of came up with, like kind of stood the test of time? Because we have um, Kareem as in in his sky hook, Magic <laughs> and, and his no look pass, and we have Sham God with the Sham God. I mean, for me, it's, it's just a humbling experience. You know, not in a million years. Even if I thought about it, I I probably couldn't have made this up. You know, Sham God will be here, even when I'm dead and gone. Kids would be learning the sham god and calling it the sham god. So, you know, I just, I just, you know, I don't know why God chose me for it, but I'm happy He did. And, you know, I'm gonna just do my best to teach the next generation of ball players. And if I'm not the greatest dribbler ever, you know, I'm gonna spark the brain of the greatest dribbler ever. So, like, you came in the league in '97, like, and back then the game was dominated by big men. And like today, like the game is dominated by guards. Like yeah. I, like I think if you would have came into the league today, like you would be on that same pedestal as we have, like with the Currys of the world and the uh, Lucas of the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that because you know everybody, the way they play now is the way I played then. And like you said earlier in the interview, you know, a lot of people always say, you know, you was ahead of your time and. In that sense, I could see it because the reason why I'm so valuable now is because 
of the way point guards play now, I was already playing like that 20 years ago. So I know the mindset and the mind frame of how to develop a guard of this era because I, I, I lived it 20 years early and I had 20 years to learn how to teach it. So I think that that's what helped me the most. And I think that's what resonate with players when they work with me and they feel my passion and they feel my understanding of the game. So like 20 years after you're done finished playing, like you're finally getting your own signature shoe with Puma. Like how does it feel knowing that you're finally getting your own signature and you're part of a rebranding of a brand that was, um, that was once dominant back in the seventies and is now kind of coming back for a new generation. Uh, for me, it's, for me, it's amazing because like I said, for them to come out now and they believe in the same things I believe in as far as like, um, you know, giving back to the community, um, being a part of the culture. And like, like you said, is, is, a, is a, is a, is a brand that's that was an amazing brand back in the days and for me to be one of the people that ushered in the brand now in 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 the 21st century is totally amazing and for them to give me a shoe is even more amazing and more humbling and it just shows the test of time of my hard work and you know of being a part of the culture and knowing and having a pulse on the culture of what what the fans want and what the kids want and that's how all this came about. And I think like having Jay-Z kind of attached to Puma kind of gives it a lot of credibility. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, Jay-Z, Rock Nation, uh, Emory Jones, Juan Perez, you know, giving it, giving it that swag and giving it that credibility because Jay-Z is of the culture, you know, and... You know, and he's a big part of the culture, so he knows what works in this culture. And for them to have a person like him on board of his magnitude is amazing. And the shoe is reasonably priced at a hundred bucks, so like people don't yeah. have to break bank to cop a pair. Yeah, nah, we nah, we 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 wasn't going to do that because, like I said, it's 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 it's, it's for the culture and it's for the community. So you know, we wasn't going to do that, and you know, half of the you know the, some of the proceeds go to giving out masks in New York City to grant housing, you know, for COVID-19 because, you know, they uh, lead the cases in New York of deaths, you know, and we partner with Share for Life found organization, you know, and they run programs in the city for uh, brown and black communities, you know, inner city housing, because, you know, if you ever grew up in any city housing, you know, they, they got the leading, you know, most cases of, of domestic violence, drug use, you know, everything. So, you know, they do a whole bunch of programs, whether it's food programs, whether it's after-school schooling programs for the kids. So it's, it's just been an honor to, to you know, collaborate with, uh, you know, Janine Salisbury from, you know, uh, Share for Life Foundation. And and what I like most about this shoe, like the, um, the red and black colorway is kind of a reflection of the colors you wore. At LaSalle, and yeah. like, and um, and the shoe kind of has like a NYC um style to it. Yeah, so the shoe, the shoe is a, the shoe is just a roadmap uh, of my life. You know, anybody that know me, you know, um, the you know I designed the shoe with, along with Puma, and like even the color wave to the sole to 
the name on the tag. So like the red, black, and white, that was my LaSalle colors. And that was my McDonald's All-American colors jersey. And I represent, I, re, I wanted to put that on there because my McDonald's All-American class was probably one of the best McDonald's All-American class ever. If not the best, it was me, Stephon Marbury, Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, Antoine Jameson, Chauncey Billup, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, um, Randall Jackson, Wayne Turner. So I wanted to represent them. And then if you look out on the side, they got the concrete on the side. You know, the, the concrete represents two things. It represents um, Jordan's was my favorite sneaker coming up um, the, the, between the twos and the fours, and they had the concrete on them. And then, and then you know, I come from what we consider the concrete jungle, New York. You know, so I wanted to make sure we had the concrete on the side. Then I got GS on the tongue for God, Sham God, to represent my family and my name. And inside we have the tutorial of how to do the sham guard because everybody always asks me um, how to do the sham guard. So if you look inside and so you see you see step by step how to do it. So you know I just wanted to represent that part. I never told nobody this, but like on a cruise a couple years ago, they had like a basketball court, right? Mm-hmm. And these girls was around, so like I try and like do some stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing in front of people. So I tried to pull out the sham god, but instead mm -hmm. of doing that, I fractured my ankle. Oh, man. <laughs> man, you need these sneakers, because these sneakers, these sneakers, you know, the you know, the top part is designed to to, you know, hold your ankles tight and stuff like that. All right. And what I like about the 1997 theme that you had yeah, earlier. Then I got 1997 yeah. on the back because that's the year I got drafted. And that's the year that the whole world saw the move in full fledged. And also, um, you and Puma kind of collaborated, like you said earlier, and donated 1,997 masks to NYCHA. Yeah. 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 We, 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 yeah. we donated to Grand Housing for the masks for COVID-19. And then we got more stuff coming up the pipeline. So we, we just working, you know, we just working for the culture. And, you know, even besides the mass, if you look what Puma's doing around the world and the country as far as reform and, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, it's it's it's, it's for the culture. So I'm just honored to be a part of a brand that, that that's about my culture and my people. All right, so like COVID is something that nobody saw coming and it kind of added on and compiled to like what's been like the roughest NBA season ever. Like it started yep. with the death of David Stern, Kobe, and now this. Like what do you think about the bubble scenario that's going on in Orlando in a couple of weeks? I mean, right now it's hard to tell because, I mean, the plan is sounding good, but it's, it's, I mean, you know, up in the air. It's hard to tell because it's still a lot of stuff that, you know, we have to, that everybody had to figure out. The NBA had to figure out. The players had to figure out. And like you said, this is the first time this is this has ever happened. So we're, we're going into um, uncharted territory. So, you know, we got to wait and see and see how everything shakes out. You know, as of right now, you know, we got to leave the things, you got to leave the, the stuff up to the experts and, like I said, when we get down there, we have a better understanding and more educated about what's going on and how things being run and how big things are being done. So until then, you know, we just got to sit back and wait.
and you know see see how it go when we get there like one positive i think that can come out of this for like for the older coaches um like who probably can't participate it might like give a younger guy a chance to show what he can do on the sidelines yeah it's going to give it's going to give a lot of people a chance you know it's going to give players a chance it's going to give coaches a chance it's going to give referees a chance it's going to give everybody that's going in the bubble a chance to be more because you know everything is so condensed uh what's going on in these next three months that other people are uh, going to automatically have to step up because you know we're not going to be able to do certain things that we normally was able to do when we didn't have the pandemic so you know, it's, 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 some people should be excited. It's a nervous and exciting time. But, you know, I believe in what's going on. I believe in the NBA. I believe in Adam Silver. I believe in us as people. And I believe in how we adjust as people. So I believe everything will work its way out. All right. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk about, like, pro- police brutality and all of the social issues that we go through, like – um with the deaths of George Floyd, Rashad Brooks, and other black people, like at the hands of police, like what do you think needs to happen so um, that mistreatment can change for us? Um, I think I think they I think we we all got to come together and have dialogue and you know learn. They need to learn our side. We need to learn their side. Uh, we need to have better communication. I think. Um, the police officers that go in academy, they should have mentors. You know, it's like when you go in the NBA, if, you, if a rookie come to the NBA, he has a mentor, you know, that show him the right way to do stuff and show him the ropes. And I think because of the way it's set up, you know, they don't have a lot of mentors. You know, they don't have, they don't have a lot of guidance, you know, and, you know, for a job of that magnitude, you need to take every effort and, and, in, in every effort in your job to be the best person and the best police officer you could possibly be because you're holding people's lives in your hand. And I just think, you know, they need to know more about the areas they, they are in just so they won't be scared, they won't be nervous and overreacting, you know, and I think they need to do a better job of, um, you know, uh, going through people's lives and their history and, checking mental health and, you know, their backgrounds to see how they are as people before you can make them a cop. Like, cops should not, you should not, that should just not be a job for people just to make money and then you could do whatever you want to do. It should be something that you really love to do. So when you get out there, you know, you treating everybody with love and everybody with care and you're doing what you're supposed to do, which is protect and serve. Like I've been stopped many times by police for no reason, because it, because I fit the description. Like, yeah. as, like as a black man, has that ever like happened to you here in the city? Uh, I mean, it happened, yeah, it happened. It happened a couple of times, and you know, like I say, you know, when the times it happened, what does fit the description mean? You know, fit the description can mean anything. You know, is is because fit the description is what you think it means. You know, because half the time they pull people when they say they fit the description and then you see who they looking for and you know that don't fit you. So, you know, I've just I've just been blessed to be in situations where I got pulled over and there's a lot of people around and the officers I did meet 
you know, they they were kind of they were kind of cool. They wasn't, you know, acting out or anything else. So, you know, I was blessed to have that. But, you know, we 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 got to figure this out because we can't just have people dying you know, over stuff that makes no sense, you know, not, not by the people that's supposed to protect and serve us, you know? So, like I said, the first line I would do is like, you know, um, have dialogue. And then I would, like I said, we need to have when these young police officers, police officers come into, you know, the police station, they need to have good mentors and not, not people that just want to do what they want to do, but just just good mentor and understand these neighborhoods and go inside these neighborhoods and meet the people and not going in there being afraid of the people that they're trying to that they should be protect. All right. So on that note, we're gonna like take a few fan questions and um, Joe Lopez from Facebook asks, "What is it like working with Luca on a daily basis? And do you see him as a future MVP in the next year or two?" Uh, working with Luca is amazing, you know, because Luca is like, he's like a, he's like a canvas of painting, like the canvas that you paint. He, he has so much to him. He has so much talent that, you know, anything I show him, he could pick up and he has picked up and he's a hard worker. And when you have talent and hard work, you have no choice but to get better. And I do believe in the next two to three years, hopefully the two years, he would be an MVP. He would be MVP of the league or MVP candidate. You know, right now, you know, with a couple of more wins, he would have been the MVP candidate this year. I mean, he's averaging almost 30 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds, you know, and he's such a sponge. And the one thing that he is that which, which make him great and like the other great players, he loves to play basketball. Like he loves to play basketball. So I believe, you know, he has MVP in his future. All right, Ben Johnson from Twitter asks, like, would you ever entertain a head coaching gig in the league? Uh, yeah, that's that's one of my goals is to be a head coach um, one day. You know, my biggest goal is to be a GM. I want to be a GM of a team because I feel I know talent and I feel I have great relationships with people. And, um, you know, I just feel I could build a winning culture. And, you know, coaching is, like I said, coaching is an amazing job, and I take pride in coaching now. You know, even though I do player development, I'm still an assistant defensive coach. So I take pride in coaching young kids and help help their game grow to the best of their ability. So, yes, I believe I will be coaching in the future. All right, All right Sham. Well, well, thank you for coming on. Um, it was a real pleasure speaking with you. Um, you're a thank legend you. here. and um, oh, man, appreciate it. And we hope to see more of you on the NBA sidelines in Orlando. Okay, thank you, and y'all have a good day.